Horse Man Horror Host here. You'll regret it. <coughs> Peter glanced over his shoulder. His daughter Sally had her iPad on and her headphones in. He turned to his wife, who was driving, and said, Are you speaking to me yet? Isabel didn't look at him, but her lips pressed closer together. Peter sighed, Guess not. You know how important the Christmas party is to me, Peter? Is he? Is it? It's just a party. No, Peter. It's a major networking event of the year, but I don't expect you, a layabout like you, to know about that. Most of us prefer the term artist, dear, he said with infinite patience. He knew Isabel's bad mood wouldn't lift until she had a go at him. Best to get it over, with, over and done with in the car while Sally couldn't hear them. It's not that I don't like Roger, she continued. Yes, it is, Peter thought, but she, he kept that in sight to himself. But my accents at the party would be, wouldn't be noticed. If I don't get the promotion next year, it'd be your fault. Is he, honey? You're fabulous at your job. Not being at a party where everyone will be too drunk to remember who was there anyway is not going to hurt your prospects. It seemed to mollify Isabel to some extent, but she wasn't quite finished yet. I mean, you know how important this is job to, is to me, to all of us. It's our only source of income. Hey, I have sold some of my paintings at a gallery expedition. Back in August, they paid the bills for a couple of months. Yes, but who got the spots in the exhibition, Peter? Me and my contacts. Look, I'm sorry to drag you away from your from work. You've been to the party for the last eight years straight. You're due a year off. You know the roads will be packed tomorrow, and it's a terrible snow forecast. We promised Dad we'd come up a day early to help him on his first Christmas for Mum. Think of how happy you make him. Well, so long as he doesn't go on about fairies and second sight, she said, turning him a dark look to emphasise her words. You know, I don't approve of all that of that rubbish, and Sally had nightmares for weeks afterwards. No, he, she hadn't. Sally had just, just said she saw an old man standing at the end of her bed, but it was fine because he was smiling. Because you had the nightmares about it, and I suppose he'll, he'll want to make those appalling breakfast muffins for Christmas Eve morning, said Isabel with a long-suffering sigh. Well, it is traditional, Peter said, with chuckling, sense in the dark mood about might be ebbing. She gave him a look, not smiling, but frowning either. Now you're sounding like your father. This that's his answer to everything this time of year. I like going to Grandpa's piped up Sally from the back. Peter Wimps, he wondered how much he heard. He could stand as well trades against him if they were private, but he felt a hot burn of shame if she took him to task in front of their daughter. Me too, he said, turning around to grin to his daughter. And Mummy does too, despite what she's saying, he added with a wink. Sally gave him a solemn look and felt decisively foolish. He turned back into his seat and looked out the window. They were pressing one of the many bodies of water in the Lake District. The wind water looked grey and very cold. A shiver ran through his spine. Unexpected dread squeezed his heart. Suddenly... He wanted it. All he wanted was curled up before the open air fire, and this at his parents' house with relishing 
the warmth. Peter turned up the heating, spraying a glare from his wife and said gleefully, Who was up for some cows? When they pulled up to the little cottage that had been in Peter's family for three generations, Roger was standing at the door. He had four steaming mugs of, on a tray, together with a plate of mince pies. How on earth did he time that so well? Isabel asked, relatively impressed. Peter dug out his phone and showed her the lap, location app. I sent my father away, or tracking us. He will have seen us coming for up from miles off. A small smile twitched at Isabel's lips. Pete felt his spirit soar. Well, a cup of coffee would be very appreciated, she admitted. They all got but to get they all got out together and instantly sank to their ankles in snow. Back in Manchester there had been a dirty slash on the pavements. Here the snow was deep, fluffy and and bright white. It's going to be a proper Christmas, she suddenly whispered to her father. Peter grinned at her and took her hand. Let's hope so. Roger beamed as he proposed, Happy family. Hello, family. I've got some hot tea and mince pies ready for you and hot chocolate for the little one. Peter glanced at his wife. Isabel smiled and iced over a mention of tea. I'm not little anymore, Grandpa, she said, hugging him around the waist. Roger chuckled. No, you're certainly not. Well, come on, then. I'll load you while you warm up. No, it's fine, Isabel said curtly. I got all my work in there. I got it messed up if anyone else unpacks it. You brought work with you for Christmas? Roger said with surprise. Isabel's purse. Yes, not all of us are retired or artists, you know. Peter kept the heat rush to his face. Peter felt the heat rush to his face at a disdained tone. Roger looked uncomfortable but said briefly, Well, let's get everyone inside at least. Peter and Sally followed her inside. With Isabel's return to the car, as Sally took off her shoes, Roger whispered to his son, What's up with Izzy? So many, um, so many, many things. He doesn't drink tea, Dad. He whispered back, Only coffee. Roger slapped his face, Of course, give me. I got coffee in and everything. Peter's offer to keep help Isabel was buff, so Roger ushered Sally and Peter into the living room while Isabel unloaded the car. Roger settled for both with, and both with tea and mince pies before disappearing to the kitchen. Sally went round the room, looking at each Christmas decoration or ornament and asking the story behind it. Many of those decorations were from Peter's childhood, even though she heard the same stories every year, each year. Sally was always eager to hear them again. Roger returned to the room only moments before Isabel joined them. She t- looked around, barely sits, hiding a sneer. Same old decorations, Roger. It's traditional, he replied. Of course it is. Can I grab a glass of water? Sit down, I'll get you one. I've also got some coffee. It's a fields of stuff. Not that nasty instant stuff. Taylors, that's like you. That's you, that's you, like, isn't it? Taylor, it was a face as picture surprise. Yes, we all rem- we remembered. Well remembered, thank you. Sit down then, Rogers insisted. She did it as she was structured. Still in a prim striped suit, a little being a work this morning, she looked 
stiff and out of place in the faintly liver suffer. Roger returned with the coffee, which Isabel accepted with a smile. She took a nip, sip, and actually looked to seem happy. Roger offered her around mince pies. Peter and Sally took one each, but when he offered it to Isabel, she said, No, you think you're on a diet still? Roger said, and he immediately added, I meant you've been on that for a while, and I always thought you were such a slim, pretty thing, is he? You don't, want, you don't need it at all. Nice save, Dad. Thank you, Roger. I just need to watch things around this time of year. Fair enough. Went to split the want to split the last one then, Sally? She eagerly agreed. And they spent the next half an hour catching up with the news. To Peter's release, Isabel was friendly and chatty. They went after they finished, Roger told Sally what a that she had a surprise for her and she needed to put on her boots. By now she ran into the hallway. What are you doing, Isabel? asked, with a hint of concern. Nothing, Roger said, with a twinkle in his eye. Just a little Christmas custom. custom. Don't worry, we won't be leaving the garden. As Roger headed into the hallway, Isabel muttered under her breath, Yeah, but your garden's about half an acre. Peter looked, stood up and patted her on the knee. Don't worry, they'll be fine. He, he took the tray into the empty, uh, with the empty mugs out to the kitchen. He was putting them in the dishwasher when he heard the fridge door open. Isabel was examining the contents with a frown. There are potatoes and parsnips in here, she said as she discovered some crime. Peter straightened so. She glared at him. He's done roast parsnips and potatoes, won't he? And his pigs and blankets too. I don't see the problem, Peter said, trying to join her. I don't want to be able to eat half the stuff on the table. I won't be able to eat half the stuff on the table. What, what, what's he playing at? It's a trick, Peter began, then quickly changed it. It'd be for Sally, you know, Christmas dinner for all the trimmings. Don't you text him and ask him to do it with the potatoes and Sally this year? Yes, I did. And look, there's the, there they are in the vegetable drawer. Isabel, Isabel peered while he was pointing. She sniffed and closed the door. Fine, well, as long as he doesn't expect me to eat all those drenched calves, that's fine. No one expects that of you, Peter said, a little more harshly than he intended. Isabel didn't pick up on his tone, she said. He just nodded. Well, I'm off to log into work. See what I'm missing. Peter let her go without another word. When he made himself a second cup of tea, and went back to the lounge. He peeked at the door, making sure that Isabel wasn't anywhere near. He switched on the Christmas tree lights and settled down in front of the Christmas of a Christmas movie, grinned over his tea, and really beginning to feel quite festive. It was almost 45 minutes later that Roger and Sally returned. They were both grinning, and when Peter asked them what they'd been up to, Roger tapped the side of his nose and Sally said, It's a surprise, Daddy. Roger had his Christmas cake made and ready to ice. I'm not good at this kind of thing, he said, as he got it out of the tin and put it on in a on the kitchen table. But Dad tells me that you won a baking competition at school this year. Sally's eyes were wide as he watched her grandfather bring out a host of small figurines and some rolling icing. Yes, Grandpa, I made little carrot cakes. I made little bunnies out of icing to put on top of them. Wow, sounds lovely. Then I know you make a success of this. While Sally was decorating, Roger and Peter prepared salmon and new potatoes for dinner. 
I thought this might appeal to Lizzie, Roger said in a low voice. Yeah, although she didn't expect to eat a whole salmon filled though. Roger rolled his eyes then. Seeing Peter Vaughan's look, held up his hands. Look, son, I know. I don't see eye to eye. See, I know she and I don't see eye to eye. I know my type of Christmas is sort of living out to her. No, don't argue. I know, Peter. But look, I'll try to get home with her, okay? Okay, thanks, Dad. At that moment, Isabel herself walked in the room. She looked at Sally's cake and said, Sally, that's amazing. Well done, you. As old little grin for the mother, sight by the unexpected praise, Peter felt his spirits lifted. Hopefully now we're here, but she'll forget about the party. Then we'll have a nice traditional family Christmas with tea and cake and foot presents around a twinkling Christmas tree and a blazing log fire. Peter was up first the next morning. He went downstairs and put a kettle on. He got the breakfast cereal out and laid the table. Then he heard footsteps on the stairs and Sally joined him and barely contained a grin as she sat down on the table. It's Christmas Eve, Daddy. It is indeed. Did you sleep well? Yes, I watched the fairies while I slept. I was I fell asleep. Peter frowns. Do you mean the fairy lights? Yes, I watched those too. There were beautiful fairies flying around my room too. A smile fell away and bit a bottom lip. Are you angry, Daddy? He reached and ruffled out the hair affectionately. Not at all. Just don't tell your mummy, okay? Okay. I wish Grandpa was here. He. he he, she, my grandma was here. She told the best stories, and she believed in fairies too. I know, sweetheart, it's hard for you and me, but just think how hard it is for Grandpa. He must hear so greatly. So let's try and be happy for him, okay? She nodded solemnly. Good. Now, do you want some cereal? You can have one of the chocolate ones if your mama's not here to see it. No, thank you, Daddy. I'm going to wait for Grandpa. He said, she, he said he'll do Christmas muffins. She looked at, at the usual off-limits chocolate cereal that asked, and asked hastily, Could I have a bowl of cereal before he comes down? It might be ages and I'm still hungry. I'm really hungry. Peter chuckled. Of course, sweetheart. You know, I might have d- d- had some as well. And it can be our secret. Whether it was down next and washing up his Christmas muffin, dishing up his Christmas muffin by the time Isabel was making her way down the stairs, she wrinkled her nose as she saw the muffins on the tray. Peter quickly asked, Some music, is he? She took it, shook her head. Just some coffee, please, as Peter's fixed her caffeine. She he pulled her out, out phone of her dressing ground pocket. She looked at it, frowned, then began typing as a hand uh, he, as he handed her a drink. She stood up and walked out of the room without a word. Sally watched her go and turned back quietly to her muffin. It was on the trip to Peter's tongue to say, Mummy's just busy. She spent time with us later. Her work was very important, but also, as, but as they are, so are you, sweetheart. But he didn't have the stomach to do it. Have the stomach for it this morning, and I would, would be bitter every, each time he told it. When breakfast was over, Peter told Sally, sent Sally to clean her teeth. When he tidied up and put the dishwasher on, Roger went to the lounge to clean out the fire. Peter was just sweeping the floor. Well, he felt a tug on his sleeve. Sally was looking after him, bright eyes. Daddy, we got a surprise. Can you come? Sure, sweetheart. She. She led him into the living room and sat him down on a chair, which she 
while she went upstairs to fetch her brother. Peter waited with greater breath, expecting Sally to come down alone, but both she and Isabel descended the stairs. Even though she was less than happy about it, what's going on? she asked, failing to hide her annoyance of being disturbed. It's a Christmas tradition, Sally said, barely containing her excitement. Well, Isabel rolled her eyes. I know, one. what is it this time? Peter noticed she came in that there was strange lump on the, on the heath covered over with a faded Christmas tree towel. Sally expected stepped forward and rapidly threw it drew it away. It's a log, Isabel said. It's a Utah log. Sally declared, groaning at the grandfather. Isabel looked looked to Peter who looked at her down sheepishly. It's an old tradition. You bring in the log to Christmas Eve and you'll keep it burning until the twelfth night. That way you'll have good luck for the whole year through. That's right, Daddy. You mustn't you mustn't put on the fire out or you will be sorry. Won't you, Grandpa? Sally said the glow of someone who had told a funny joke of the year. Peter couldn't help the smile from his face. He heard that joke all through his childhood. You're doing to hear it coming from the next generation with the same enthusiasm. Well, I'm not a country girl, said Isabel in a frosty tone, but the log doesn't look like the last twelve hours. Never mind twelve days. Ah, oh, well, you see, Roger explained, when this tradition came about, there many they were had they had large fireplaces, ones that could take half a tree. Mine's much smaller. But I reckon the tradition will work if we keep the fire going for sections for the U log. I got them cut up in the garage. Sally helped me silk through them yesterday, picking out the large ones for the overnight so it doesn't go out. Fine, is that it? Isabel asked, already taking steps towards the door. I've got important work to do. Before Peter could join, stop him, Roger stood up and said in a quiet voice, But Isabella, you should be nothing more important than your family on Christmas Eve. Peter saw a colour drain from his wife's face, except two red spots on her cheeks. He opened his mouth to say something, but Roger pressed on. Think, I mean, think of the work, your hard work. I know you're a hard work family life, but it's got to be balanced. That was a moment's silence before Isabel said, For your information, Roger, I gave up the most important networking event last night to be here with my family, she said the last word with such feminine. It might have been a curse word. I am thrown to my greater damage by being available all day today, so I have not left out of business deals that were discussed yesterday. It's my business deals and my career to put petrol in the car, drive up and see you. It's my money that pays for your granddaughter's school uniform, for your son's art materials, for your bloody Christmas presents. Isabella was breathing heavily now, her eyes blazing. Roger shrugged his head, chuffing the faded rug with his slipper. I'm sorry, I just meant, it was, I haven't got time for this. i got to cook, make a call, take a call from New Zealand in a moment. I'll be upstairs if you want me. I advise you not to be dumb and not to disturb me. For the rest of the day, for, with that, she turned and stormed back upstairs. Sally had a little 
was a little quiet with her mother next exit, but putting on her favourite Christmas film buoyed her spirits up enough to get a mince pie and some hot chocolate. While the atmosphere was a little lighter, Peter and Roger persuaded her to put the Yule on the fire with drew and serenity. They brought a big smile to her face and they all sat down again to watch the end of the film. Sitting next to his, fa- his father on the family sofa, his daughter on his lap, a fire cracking merrily beside them. Peter felt everything was about as, 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 just as it should be. He felt Isabel's anger presence in the room above like a storm cloud over their heads, dark and threatening but far removed. So he laughed at the movie and wiggled, finding a comfort of position. The movement distracted him from all the negative thoughts. He wrapped her, his arms around his daughter. I wish we could be like this all the time. The usual spat, spitting a sp- sending a spark out to the grate and to the rug. Sally cried out, but Roger was already up. He slipped his foot, stamping it out. Phew, he said with a weak laugh. That was lucky. Better put the fire guard on the front. It's not going to be a very good year if you love burns down the house now, is it? After the film finished, Roger had another surprise for Sally. Her own very own Christmas tree and decorations for her bedroom. They carried everything upstairs and set to work immediately. A gruff visit from Isabella turned the laughing and joking to whispering, but her displeasure failed to quail their Christmas festive spirit altogether. After that was lunchtime. Cold meat, cheese, crepes, pickles and fresh bread were laid on the table. Peter filled a plate for Isabel and took up the, the, the Took it up to the room. She was on the phone and pointed distractly to a small space on the dressing room table, where she set up her laptop. Peter put down the food and tiptoed out. Afternoon plans were discussed over lunch. It was agreed that there was that Isabel needed needing science to work. They had le- best leave the house. Roger took them down to the village winter, a pleasant and invigorating room for the fresh snow. They browsed the shops. Some of them already had Boxing Day sales up, signs up. Peter brought her small time mice for Sally, which she'd taken a shine. Instead of putting it in the bag, she tucked it into the top of her coat, so it peeked out of her, peeked out of her scarf. She talked as they walked, pointing to the sights. It was adorable, and Peter was filled with love for his daughter. When they got home, it surprised to see Isabella in the sitting room with the TV on and a glass of sherry in her hand, a very large glass. I ha- how how have you have you been have you been out, sweetie? She asked in the warm, if slightly drunk manner as Sally went to give her a hug. Yes, I went got a yes, and I got a mouse, mummy. Look, she held up the new toy for inspection. Peter held his breath, waiting for an individual glare. She would be, that she get get for spending her, their money without asking fuss. But Isabel smiled and tapped on her nose, which made Sally laugh. How delightful! Christmas mouse. We'll have to take it, make it a yearly tradition. Oh yes, please! Exclaimed Sally, completely missing the ironic edge to her mother's voice. How are you finished work, honey? Peter asked as he took her off her coat. Peter waved. Isabel waved her hand insistently. Nowhere near. I'm just want, taking a break. Want to join us for some tea then? Coffee, I mean. Roger said. Isabel stood up. Now, nah, I've got to get back to the grindstone. 
Of course you have. How convenient that your break consisted of us being out of the house. Peter kept, felt a stab of shame of such interrogable thoughts. Well, I'll give you a shout for his dinner's ready, he said. Instead, she went to ki- when he, w- he went to kiss Isabella. As she passed, she presented her cheek for the briefest sentences, then even break, not even breaking a stride. I think we need something to warm us up after a walk, Roger said, rubbing his hands together. Come on, Sully, how about some hot background spout squash? Yeah, I love black skirt squash. I've never had it have it at home. Perfect Christmas treat, then. Come on. Roger Sally left the room. Peter's there, angry and resigned, warring inside him. She hardly ever spends time with us when she does his bloody awful mood. Why do I stay with her? He sighed, his blood, his anger ebbing away in resignation, winning out because she's the one with money. I never get a house even qualified on my own if I left her. And whatever I think of Sally, of her, Sally adores her. So I'll just stick it out. I'll be fine. Noticing the fire was getting low, Peter shoved a layer of coal onto the embers that placed a piece of lower log on the top of the small sack. Roger and Sally laid on the heath. He looked back, staring at the fireplace, slowly be, being becoming hypnotized by it. Yellow, smoky flames began to lick up the side of the log. He felt an incredible heat to his face as he was leaning over the grate rather than staying a foot away with it. Sweat ran down from his brow. His hands twitched, but he didn't, couldn't look away. Any, uh, uh, he, but he could not look away. The flame turned a dark scarlet before his eyes. He saw the liver shrivel up, a dark greenish fluid leaking out of it with haste and steam when it came into contact with the flames. A low pulse one. Then again, but with more weakly, panic filled up but Peter's mind. A heart! It's not a new to a look. I put a human look on the fire. Oh, God! Peter, Daddy, look! Peter spun around. His own heart stuttering in his chest. Sally was staying in the doorway. She held up her plate. Grandpa bought some pink biscuits for me. He started to break, aired at the bright pink monstrosities, uncohandling. He turned around to look at the fire. The log was still sta- still atop the cold yellow flames, steadily devouring his outer bark. But I saw it was you're you're right, son. Roger asked. He put Pete, his hand on a hand on Peter's shoulder and squeezed. Yeah, I just Peter told tell off the distraction. And he shrugged. I don't know. Guess so. Just tired. Roger looked like. He was going to push further, but Sally broke the mood by pushing between them, holding the plate once again. It looked positively disgusting, sweetheart, Peter said, not unkindly. Don't let your mother see them you eating them. Peter smiley blamed up him. I wouldn't. Peter's felt shaken for a time, but Roger and Sally's effusion soon got the better of his mood. They spent the afternoon out of doors again, gathering Holly to bring into the house. They decked the hole of the downstairs. When it was gone, that it was done. They did a Christmas jigsaw together with yet another Christmas film in on the TV in the background. As the world outside grew darker, they all pitched in to make dinner, scampy chips and salad. 
Only when Isabella appeared to the, at the door, Peter realised he completely forgot ten. About her? Hello, honey. Have you finished your work? Just about, she said, as she sat down at the table. I can't imagine there'd be many people working after six o'clock to make Christmas Eve. Roger com- com- commented. Well, you don't really have an idea about the industry I work in, so that's not a surprise. I'm pretty sure my boss will be logging on tomorrow. Sally turned wide-eyed at her mother. But you don't. You'll be working. You, but you won't be working tomorrow, will you, Mummy? Not on Christmas Day. Isabella ki- smiled and kissed her daughter on the forehead. Of course not, sweetie. Well, no matter what, ne- ne- no. Well, no more necessary. So he bit her lip and looked down at her plate. Even Mummy does have to. Does, even if Mummy does have to work, Roger said, consolingly. Think of all the presents you have to play with while she does. This comment raised a beaming smile at Sally's face. Peter felt some some attention ease from behind his shoulders. From after tea, Sally Isabel returned to her room as Sally rushed upstairs to put on her pajamas. Peter had to hide a smile. It took him at least fifteen minutes of cajoling on a normal night to get her to change into them. When she reappeared, he wanted she wanted to put on a out the sherry in Miss Piper Centre. Then Peter allowed a half an hour playing time. Games on her iPad, hoping some quiet time might help her wind down at bed- bedtime. At eight o'clock, Sally put on her stocking and went to clean her teeth. Roger went into the kitchen and bruised himself for the same task, while Peter went up and read as Sally... When I went up to read Sally a bedtime story, Isabel came in halfway through and stretched like a cat. Are we done for them tonight? She announced, kissing Sally on the cheek. Will you read me another story then, Mummy? Oh, sorry, sweetie. Mummy needs some downtime. Maybe tomorrow. She will. All right, Sally replied, but Isabella was already walking out of the dark room. Peter found he was holding the book so tightly he was it was bending. He relaxed his grip and sure he was wearing a warm smile when Sally looked at him over at him. She gave him a weak smile in turn. He finished the story and tucked her in. Sally gripped his sleeve as he went to stand up. Daddy, I'm worried. What? That Santa won't come? No, that something bad will happen. Peter felt uneasy creep down his spine. He thought again of the burning heart in the fireplace. No, I was just tired, that's all. He tried to smile reassuringly. It's Christmas, sweetheart. Nothing bad happens at Christmas. His tongue felt thick and heavy in his mouth. Anyway, you said you were, there were fairies in here. I'm sure they'll keep you safe from anything horrible. Now sleep well. He kissed her and walked her to the door. He walked her to the door. He turned and looked at her, curled up and hugging her favourite toy. His heart ached with love when he closed the door, just until the smell of remained. He sensed an icy, icy atmosphere the second he walked into the living room, but he, what caught his eyes was a strange metal bowl suspended over the fire. Eager to have a, distract, have a distraction, he asked, What's that, Dad? It's a wall saw. It's traditional. Isabel gave a sort of laughter. Peter saw she had a glass half filled with clear liquid. He doubted if it was water. Peter glanced at her, then continued addressing Peter. Roger glanced at her, then continued addressing Peter. Bottle is a sort of hot punch made of apples. I saved it from. I saved some from the tree. The 
tree in the garden this year. I added some happy brandy for good measure. It heated in the Yule York and drink it among friends to ensure peace and harmony for the rest of the year to get to set out old grievances to rest. I thought it would be a nice thing to do on Christmas Eve. He added, looking at Isabel. She stood up a little unsteadily and strummed what was in her glass. He said and held it out and said, Sounds good to me. Fill it up, Roger. Finally, Roger went to the glass cupboard and got out thick, three thick glasses for handles designed to stand hot liquids. There's a lady resting on the mantelpiece. He got it down and filled each glass with, with handling them around. Roger raised his glass. Peter and Isabel did the same. To old friends and new beginnings. Peter and Roger, Peter, Peter said, Roger said, Peter repeated the line, but Isabel took a mouthful of alcohol. She doubled over and spat it out, back into the water bowl. Some spray hit the flames, which flared a bright blue. Bloody hell, Roger, I just burnt my mouth. Well, it's not, it's just, well, it did just come off the fire, Isabel. So, make you, so most people will realise it would be hard to not take a huge gulp of it. His voice was frosty, but nowhere near as glacial as the look Isabel threw his way. Peter stepped forward. Guys, guys, this is supposed to be about putting anger behind us. It would be if he hadn't given us something so bloody hot. What are you trying to do, Roger? But put me in a hospital on Christmas Eve so you and my husband and my daughter can all about all to yourself about my work getting in the way of your precious Christmas traditions. I'm going to raise my rinse my mouth for cold water, she declared, heading for the door. See if you can wash some of your bitterness out while you're there, Roger said with a low voice. Isabel froze. Peter's breath hitched in his throat. She turned around slowly. Her face was stiff and contained rage. Peter wanted to waited for her edge, but he didn't come. Isabel straightened them, then stormed into the kitchen. When Peter looked back at his father, Roger wore a sheepish expression. Look, son, let my, let, let my son run... Sorry, son, I let my tongue run away with me. Peter shook his head and went down to the, to the kitchen. Isabella was drying her mouth over the towel and poured herself another large measure of vodka. She peered upstairs at Peter, dating, dating him to say something. Then she slipped past him back into the living room. His hands shaking. Peter went up to the cupboard and got out a large jug. He filled it with water and carried it into the living room. He placed it on the net table next to Isabel. In a low voice, he said, I want you to drink half of it, that before you go to bed and take the rest upstairs with you. I'm not going to have you hung over and spoon your guts on Christmas Day. Isabel smiled, raised her lip, glass to her lips and took a large gulp of vodka. Peter grounded his teeth together, holding back everything that was threatening to pour out of him. Peter, could you help me, please? Roger said behind him. He held it out the tea towel and nodded towards the bolster bowl. You need to get off the heat and put it in the kitchen. If it tips over, it lightly set fire to the, set the chimney on fire. Grateful for the distraction, Peter took a towel. He leaned in over the heath and le- lifted a bowl from his hand. He ca- carried it carefully to the kitchen and put it down on the hoop mat. Peter followed him in a, manner, a moment later, carrying the stand. He placed it down on the stone floor, straightened and sighed. I'm sorry, Dad, Peter said lamely. Roger told Roger took a look at him, clearly choosing his words before speaking. He never got the chance. There was a loud hissing, hiss sound 
from the living room. The overhead lights flickered and then failed. Peter stood in sudden darkness, his mouth opened and his heart hammering. As his eyes struggled to adjust to low light and spirits, the shadows seemed to swarm around as they were living things. He cried out and jumped backwards. He felt something brush from his, against his leg. As his kitchen light flickered on again, a few seconds before the hallway in the living room, Peter thought he saw the darkness retreating like a host of creatures away from the kitchen, along the hallway into the living room. Terror heated Peter's blood as he rushed into the hallway, gripping the bell jam. The living room he skidded onto top. He looked, he stared in horror. Isabel was standing on, on by the fireplace, the water jug hanging empty in it from her hand. The fire in the grate was dead, the old log sodden and black. Her lips were curled in a wicked smile. She tried to suppress it, but said, I'm sorry, it slipped out right in my hand. A giggle slipped her lips and clamped her mouth over her mouth. Like a naughty child, Peter stormed towards her. In, into the fucking fireplace? What the hell have you, have you done, Isabel? It's only a stupid fire, Peter, but the darkness. Don't you see? He swallowed, forcing down his fear. It was spiteful, Isabella. I say you'll be gutted tomorrow. You really are a heartless bitch sometimes. She striggled and waved her hand of dismissively. Well, you, you're so stupid, Peter. You can't walk and talk and earn money for your family if you don't have the heart. So, I can't be heartless, can I? Full of heart, me? Oh, yes, he waited to reach. He wanted to reach out and shake her to see if she'd lose that dreadful smile from her face. Clenched his fist. Just go to bed, will you? Fine, I'll be taking the vodka with me, which means there'll be no room for bed for you, darling. She went... She put a heavy, unpleasant emphasis on the last word. Then she grabbed her glass and walked purposely out of the room. Roger had been wait had, had been had been waiting outside, stepped quietly inside. As Isabella stopped, stomped up to the stairs. He came to to stand in front of the grate. Peter felt wretched. I I'm sorry, Dad. Roger stared at the fire a few moments, but say but said, not saying anything. When he spoke, to, it was a motionless undertone. Do you know what the meaning behind the new Lord Peter? No.
course. What a humbug, eh? <laughs> it's that time a year again where everybody's so jolly and bubbly and spirited. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right, the old Yule Holly Jolly type things. Well, we've got our Yule tree and our blinking angel at the top and our spectacular new year. Hello there, kitties. It's your old pal, the Deadhead Daddy, wishing my good fiend, Octavian Hollow, a scary Christmas and a happy new year. Make sure to check out my show, Deadhead Daddy's Creepy Things, and you can find me on Comedy Radio with Deadhead Daddy's Haunted Archives. Stay.
A rat, maybe, yes. Might be. His hands shaking. Peter grasped the door handle. He twisted it slowly, feeling the seconds drag out like hours. With, with a click, the door opened. He pushed it open, saw red. But the cheek, cheery, splacking red of tinsel. But a dark, versal red of blood from the darkest, darkest parts of the human body. The ceiling was bright scarlet, covered in aerial blood. Elizabeth was lying in bed, withering and lace. That's what he initially thought. Then he realised that her body was dead, limp, white, and the movement was caused by her host of shadowy figures around her, tugging her innards, gnawing at her exposed ribs. The door swung open, arc, and bumped against the wall. It creatures instantly stopped fighting among themselves and looked up at Peter. He stared back, paralysed by fear. He wanted to shout out, to shoo them away, to to call them for help, to warn his father what had invaded his home. His jaw felt wired shut, his calf muscles cramped, fight or flight, instincts churning under his old inside him. One creature raised into a clawed, uh, up a clawed hand, then dressed it madly, plunged it down into a bit of his chest, a body rocked as it wrecked wrenched out of her heart and held it above his head. Above his head, blood trickled down the stream into the bedstead already sodden with glow. Peter's eyes were fixed on a circular organ. He saw it twitch once, twice, three times, and weaker than a blast. Blood squirted out of, out of it with such contention when it was finally still. Peter dragged his gaze to Isabel's face. She looked frozen and turned rigid by death. But her heart had been beating. When it, but her heart had been beating. When it was torn out, uh, out of her, I saw it. But what was it? I said, "You really are helpless at beach sometimes, Isabel." Oh God, oh God, light flared in the dark room, drawing Peter back to the moment. Isabel's heart was on fire, blue flames licking around the red flesh. He watched it shrivel. Just as he'd seen it doing Roger's fireplace that morning, the shadow creatures holding hissed and cast the burning organ down into the flare. In the bed, flames leapt up. The room filled with light, and the shadow creatures vanished. Peter watched the flames engulf the bed, from spreading into the carpet and creeping up the curtains. He was hypnotized, just as he had been when he had been staring at the fire in the grate. Smoke curled from above the, along the ceiling. It just sucked around an open door by some unseen draught. It branded around Peter in acid. Simplest stench filling his nostrils. He stumbled backwards. His mind felt sluggish, but for one thought pierced through it all. I've got to get out of here. He was flicking away. He was halfway down the stairs, gripping onto the rail before a second thought pierced his conscious mind. Suddenly, Dad, he turned instantly and hurried back up the stairs. He flung the door open, his foot crunching on the salt. A loud bang woke Roger, who sat up upright as Peter rushed to his daughter's bed. Roger asked, What's wrong? Fire, Dad, fire. We have to go. Peter stepped on his arms for a study and lifted her up. 
As he rushed back down the stairs, he aroused and asked sleepily, How's Santa been, Daddy? He heard the question, but hadn't, didn't have the mental capacity to reply. He reached the front door and swore he couldn't open it. He swore when he couldn't open it. Peter pushed him aside, turned the key, and set the train off. When they all got outside, his fresh air stung Peter's lung as he gulped it down. He sunk to his knees, suddenly turning out his arms as the strength left him. He slumped forward, leaving prone to the earth, allowing the cold ground to smooth his feathered skin. He didn't know how long he lay there, but before aware of flashing lights, his thoughts were breary and unnonsical. Dad rescued the Christmas tree, always his Sally's fairy lights. He forced himself to a sitting position, his arms like lead, a flashing lights were atop a fire engine, an ambulance followed cl- closely pa- close behind. A distant part of Peter knew he should get up, he should help. He knew that at the very least he should be weeping, but he could not bring himself to do nothing more than stare at the fireman in the heavy dark suits trying to bring the infernal under control. He stared at the flames dancing in their hearts. He imagined that he saw a little creature smoke and darkness. Paramedic knelt beside him, asking him questions about about a basket. Blanket around him, her coat had been bright yellow, reflecting the flames, that he couldn't look at the without hurting his eyes. Numerally, he looked around for his daughter. He was sitting in the uh, in the ambulance. He also wrapped in a blanket, and also staring dumbly at the cottage. The paramedic left, and Roger came to sit beside him. Peter started trying to speak out, speak, but his voice came out as a croak. As a croak. He brought him a tremendous large coughing fit. When finally he stopped, he, he saw a weak, weak, he, he said weakly, You can put the iron under the sofa. You put the salt across the threshold of Sally's room. Why did you, what did you do to Sally's room? Isabel's room. Nothing, Peter, Roger admitted. Peter knew he'd felt anger or bitterness, but he felt nothing since I had stretched before between them and Roger added, I sorry, Peter, but there was nothing I could do. Darkness is drawn to its own kind. Whatever charms I placed around her, darkness would have sought her dark heart. Your mother would have agreed with me if she was here. Is it because Isabel put the order out? Isn't it? Peter felt his voice. His lips moving in the air, passing up his throat, but the voice asking a question didn't sound like his own. It usually it's likely to be a computer. A forty wire in the charger. That's what it usually is. Peter turned his father up. But I saw them, Pete, Dad. I saw the creatures on top of her chest, ripping her heart out, setting a fire to it. They came from the grate, from the log. His throat closed, and the memory couldn't go on. Roger sighed. Is that what you're going to tell the authority, son? Is that you were going to tell Sally? Or are you going to tell them that your wife's computer have been a bit dodgy recently? Peter looked away. He sat on the grass, unmoving, unspeaking. He wished he could be, if, be just three of us, he thought, with despair. despair. Great galling at his heart. Behind him, the snow sky was going brighter, and with but the rising sun was hidden by this heavy cloud smoke, heavy snow clouds that filled the sky. The well remained as dark as it had, as if it had risen at all. The end.